welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Well, today I have on the Storyform podcast uh, three of our interns from Fellowship, and uh, a lot of people may not even know that we have an internship program. Um, these three individuals that I have with me today uh, serve uh, in our student ministry, in our college ministry area, uh, where they're gaining practical uh, ministry experience and ministry skills. And guys, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having Glad us. To be here. Well, I've invited you because I want to have a conversation. I want to have a conversation about issues that are facing uh, your generation. Uh, I think it's important that we understand kind of older generation can understand uh, and dialogue with the younger generation and even uh, listen to maybe some of the the voices and the struggles uh, of the next generation. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So guys, thanks for joining us. And all three of you are union students. And so let's just start by introducing yourself. Uh, Tell me where you're from and what you're studying and maybe what you hope to do out of college. Okay. So name, where you're from, what you're studying, what you hope to do out of college. Okay, well, I am Britta Oland. I'm from Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is just like 20 minutes north of Nashville. I am a senior at Union, and I'm studying elementary education. Um, So naturally, I am planning to teach after I graduate this May. Um, I really have a heart for working with like really high-need students, and so I'm hoping to work um, at a school that provides that, that I can kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus for people who don't get to experience that a lot. Um, and so that's that's really what I hope to do when I graduate. I'm planning to stay around here in Jackson, so I'll be looking at schools here in the near future. Hmm. That's great. Um, I'm Hannah Schultz. I am a junior at Union. I am from Jackson, Tennessee, so didn't go too far. Um, my major is psychology. Um, my minor is human studies. I'm not really sure what my plan for post-college looks like as of now, but Um, I can definitely see a counseling aspect of whatever I do. Um, So I look forward to figuring out that this year. Yeah, I'm Cameron Woodard. I'm a senior at Union as well, studying in communications. And um, I'm known as Woody to most of you guys. I don't know why. It sounds weird to call you Cameron. Yeah, I don't don't know why I introduce myself as Cameron anymore. At this point, it's it's pretty useless. But um, but, uh, yeah, I'm graduating in May, which is crazy to think about. And I'll be attending. I've already been accepted and starting to plan courses at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. So I'll be doing the MDiv program there, and then hopefully, depending on what happens after that, uh, moving into doctoral work of some kind. Um, I haven't figured that out, obviously, yet. I want to do the whole seminary thing first, but looking forward to that. So Good. Well, you guys have uh, bright futures ahead of you, and I know that you have added a great deal uh, to the ministries here at Fellowship, uh, serving as as interns, you guys have had a lot of. That's the cool thing about the internship is that you actually get a lot of leadership, yeah. And you're able to um, uh, really 
we give a lot of that away. And so you're able to learn and grow in, in those skills together. And so, well, let's just jump right into the conversation. I know this is probably um, a, uh, a big topic to think about. And generally, uh, you guys, I just shared the topic with you five minutes before we started recording this. So it's not like you've had a, a ton of time to think about this, but I, that's kind of what I like is that you can have a, a conversation and a dialogue about these things and it doesn't feel um, prompted or scripted. But when you think about some of the challenges that have faced your generation, what are the first things that come to mind? That's a good question. Ladies, this is all you right here. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> um, I think a lot of like what we've faced is, whether it's true or not, like we get a bad rap. I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. um, I think like we are seen as the selfish generation. Um, that's very like self-centered and <laughs> focused on what we need. And like Hannah was just talking about a minute ago, like getting it now. Um mm-hmm. So whether that's true of everyone or not, I think that that's kind of the mark of our generation sometimes is that we are the ones who expect to be given everything and we don't want to work hard. Um, But I really don't think that that's true for all of us. Um, But a lot of times that's how people view us. Yeah, that's a huge, unfortunate stereotype. And that's one of the things I wanted to jump into today, because I do think when you think about you guys were born in 99, 2000. uh, So, um, you know, you've you've lived primarily through the 2000s right now. Um, But that's that is the reputation. Uh, the the jokes about millennials, um, and we even had a conversation before uh, recording this. Are you millennials? Are you Gen Z? Uh, we don't know, but they're still they can be lumped into that category of um, you're entitled. Uh, everything's been given. I, I, the trophy generation. Um, the, everybody gets the participation award. Uh, you know the selfie generation. All of those things, and and I do think that that's unfortunate that that you get lumped into that category. Yeah. Cause I even remember like talking with family and friends and saying like, Oh, I'm definitely Gen Z. Like I'm, I'm not a millennial, mm-hmm. but whether we're born in this year or a year before, right. like we're still going to be lumped in with that same yes. category. Yeah. Cause you didn't want to be lumped in with the negative <laughs> right. characteristics of, of millennials. Right. Yeah. And I think on some level it's twofold because well, we are lumped into those categories or those negative assumptions about Gen Z or millennials and the, the sort of self-centeredness, the, the media addictions and the, the vanity that's very apparent. I think it's twofold in the sense of one, that it's true, but two, it's, I think it's been true of every generation. It just looks different. Mm-hmm. And I think point. the danger in, at least for us, is we're put in a, a position as young people where our vanity is on display. You know, it's on display on social media, it's on display in um, the way we talk and the way we act, it's more expressive. Um, and that's not to say that former generations haven't done that, mm-hmm. but on some level, you're looking at a generation and you're saying, you're worse because we see more. That's and, great. And, and so, yeah. you, you know, there, there's a tension there. And while I think that a lot of the, and we could talk forever about the, the negative aspects mm-hmm. of our generation mm-hmm. because it's so apparent, yeah. but I think that's because it's on display. Like we can see it so clearly. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Uh, the fact that these things have probably always existed in every generation, but this is maybe the first generation that um, has been lived publicly. This is really interesting. I was reading an article um, several months ago that, that said the level of, of attention that we experience through social media 
of engagement of the publicness of social media is is the same level of a 1920s movie star. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So think about famous. that. Yeah. So the, the, the level of the average ordinary you and I, we're not even talking about influencers or Insta famous or anything like that, but just the average person, uh, the level of engagement with what they have in social media uh, is something that generations past would have never had that uh, lived I'm out before everything is public. And, uh, you know, what do you make a great point that had the prior generations had that technology, maybe those things would have come to the forefront and those things would have been apparent. I do think technology is definitely something that is a um, I mean, it's just there. You guys have lived that you guys have experienced that. Um, I, I watched recently a, uh, a documentary. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary, but it's called uh, "The Social Dilemma." Oh yeah, just watched. It. Okay, so so the documentary is brilliant, and it's basically the, you know the for those who haven't seen it, who may be listening to this, it's the really the founders of some of these massive companies, Google, um, Facebook, those who are on the ground floor of starting these companies have made this documentary of saying we got out and we got out because we saw the danger. We saw uh, the, um, the realities of what this brings to a culture. Uh, and the thing that was most telling for me was how they talked about the, the spike of mental health issues that have come from living out publicly that everything has to be evaluated you know what's funny, Will, you mentioned that, and, and as I watched that, I discussed this with some of the, my friends as we watched it together, is you have this specific reaction to the social dilemma, mm-hmm. and yet I finished watching it, and it, and it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons it didn't is because I'm so used to that world. You know, the idea of my life being built around and built for me by these companies is something I'm so used to that the actual thought... No longer even scares right. me. It didn't even. It's just day to day. Yeah, that's that, just that's just life. Yeah. You've consumed it yeah, for so long, and it's become so it's such a part of our lives yeah. that it didn't really shock us. Yeah, as as it we didn't engaged. surprise me as didn't much as su- I thought it would. Didn't surprise to know that there are actually people manipulating uh, ads, knowing these are the ads that you're looking at. So let's yeah. dial up. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's dial this up. And so, how does that reality? How do you guys just, how do you, how, how does that become a struggle for you? The, the, the whole technology thing, the whole social media thing, where have you personally found that to be? Have there been times that you're like, I'm just not going to, I'm going to take a break from this. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. I've taken a lot of social media breaks yeah. just because I find myself like getting consumed in it yeah. at times. Like it'll. I'll get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I've spent six hours scrolling on Instagram and looking at other people's lives. And it's such a comparison factor of like, everyone's putting their best foot forward on social media because you want everyone to think that you're having fun. But in reality, you might be crying in your bed all night about Mm -hmm. being so stressed about your exams, but you're going to post about like the fun things that you did with your friends the night before. And you're not going to share those struggles because that would be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and it's hard to be vulnerable when other people aren't being vulnerable. And so either you're being fake and you're lying 
about how your life is going or you're being too vulnerable and sh- oversharing. Like mm-hmm. it's like you can't win either way. That's a great point. Yeah. And it, and it creates this false reality that um, how do I engage? Uh, do I just simply live in a way that everything's good and everything's happy and you're always seeing the positive parts or do I risk going the other way and then I get criticism for that because I'm oversharing and so it creates this like never before I think in your generation probably not so much within my generation because I I I didn't live with that reality I didn't live with that burden we didn't think about what do I post what do I not post you know do I post this picture of me having fun do I what that's just not on the landscape Um, now there's some in my generation that are much more focused on social media and those sorts of things. Um, but I'm not there. I mean, that's just not been my lived experience. And so I think it creates a unique challenge, you know, for you guys. Hannah, I think about you working with, um, middle schoolers, Mm -hmm. you, you work with middle school girls. Mm -hmm. Um, how have you seen this play out? Um, actually this year has been kind of unfortunate coming to social media just because I mean several times me and Boz have sat we've sat in the office and like we've seen things that have been posted that are really scary and things that shouldn't be posted by middle school students let alone like not high school students not middle school students no students it just it probably just shouldn't be posted um so that has brought a lot of attention to me just because when I was in middle school I didn't have that opportunity i mean i guess it was there but i was it was not as much not as prevalent yeah um but now it is the popular thing to do to have like all these social media accounts and it is really scary because they are talking to people that they don't know and that's how they're forming like middle school relationships Mm -hmm. and it's it's just kind of scary to see like how social media is being used in a negative way when it could be used to like connect with people that normally you couldn't. So, and going back to like the false reality kind of thing you're talking about being a psychology major, like we talk about mental illness like a lot um, and the causes of depression, anxiety. um, And I feel like in every single class, social media has been one of the leading causes of depression and in high school students and middle school students. So I think knowing that in, not being able to change that is, is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it's the popular thing to do. Right. Yeah. I think too, you know, you mentioned mental health and these sort of broken realities on some level too. You, when you have the reality that we live in this media saturated world or this oversaturated market of, um, self-evaluation, you know, the Enneagram super big right now too. And, mm-hmm. and when we have a market that's not just saturated with media, but saturated with, self-evaluating media. So the media is evaluating you, you're evaluating it. There's this constant internal process. And as Christians, I think this is where it, it the rubber meets the road for us too, right? Is I'm sitting there going through my feet and say I'm struggling with depression or anxiety or some other um, common mental health problem. I'm constantly thinking about myself mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think while there are times that's really healthy, you need to you know, internalize things, uh, look at yourself, see your sins, see issues and deal with things that are, are happening to you. But when that becomes the dominant um, daily mental process mm-hmm. in your life, that you're 
constantly looking at yourself, I mean, it becomes so, that has to become so damaging, especially as like a middle schooler. I mean, that has to be so damaging to where you're, you're, you're so consumed with what your reality is to other people that you can't even like properly live in it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you see that played out just among your, uh, you'd say your peers, that idea that I'm always on, um, I'm always kind of self is, is at the center. How do you, how does that play out for you guys? I feel like it's really hard to um, be your genuine self when you feel like you need to put on this pretty picture of everything's great. I'm doing great. School's wonderful. Mm -hmm. When like Britta said, like it could be a horrible day, but that's not what people are posting. People are posting like this amazing, amazing trip or their vacation, or they're out with their friends, but it's normally not the hard things that you do need a support team for. It's exactly right, and that's what makes it more and more the issues of anxiety and depression is the isolation that that brings. Because where are the environments that I can actually bring my real self? What are the relationships that um, that uh, that are imperfect, that I can that I can show my weakness, that I can show um, my imperfections. You know, what, what does community actually look like? What are those relationships? And if all that we have is the engagement of relationships in that sort of realm, it, it, it's not real. It's it artificial. It certainly creates a, a very shallow interaction with other people. Right. I was talking to my dad just recently about this, and I think I told you this I'm not entirely sure, but I remember him saying that, you know, I was talking to my dad and he was talking about dating in our generation. He was saying, you know, if I, I go out on a date with your mom back in the day, you know, in the eighties and the nineties, I'd have to get to date six or seven to know, to know her super well. And he goes, but you guys know more about someone going into date number one than I did at date number five. Right. And there's something to be said about that, where the amount of information that we can get from people Mm -hmm. and about people is so immediate and so fast. And yet it's so actually little mm-hmm. you know what i mean right. so there's it's that juxtaposition between we know so much but we actually don't know anything yeah. at all yeah. because it's on this platform right um, that's not genuine yeah and so the so the very people that are creating that platform are saying here's here's why the damage uh, i mean it's interesting a lot of them are saying we don't even let our kids do this because they see the damage of um uh, living in uh this realm that you are constantly living for this audience, this artificial audience that's based on how many likes you get, how many engagements that you get with a particular picture. So if I post a, a selfie of uh, that, that looks good and I get a bunch of comments on that, well, then I feel good. Well, what if that one person makes a negative comment? Uh, well, then I'm living with that. I'm stewing over that. And that's, I think, where the damage can become relationally, societally, um, and, and you guys, you most unique, you guys have lived in that. Uh, I mean, we think about the first iPhone came out, uh, well, 2009, 2010 around there. So, you know, you guys were 10 years old. And so you guys have, have had a decade of your formative shaping, uh, experiences of your life have been, influenced and, and, and impacted by this. 
you know. And I'm just curious with this question, and you guys may not have an answer for it, but what do you, what do you think the future will look like? I mean, what do you think it will continue? Do you think people of your generation will kind of say we're over it, we're tired of it, we've seen the effects of it, we're going to go to something different? I mean, do you see it getting worse, like in the more and more and more consumption of social media, or do you actually see a movement of people saying, we're going to unplug and we're going to go back to, you know, getting rid of it and not having it and going outside and interacting over a cup of coffee with people? And what do you think? Well, I think like because of COVID, people were kind of forced to go back to that, kind of take a step back because even for me, when I was home for months after being sent home from union uh-huh. like i could not physically sit on my phone all day like i would drive myself insane right. and so i had to find other ways to connect and yes like technology was so helpful in that because we didn't feel so disconnected as we would have you know 10 20 30 years ago because we had a way to talk to people we had a way to stay connected even if we weren't directly with them right. but it's one of those things where it's so normal to do that that our world is not normal in the sense of what we're used to mm-hmm. for the majority of our lives. Like we're in a year that's so different from anything we've ever experienced that I want to hope that maybe after this people will be more focused on making real connections, but really normal is also easy. Mm-hmm. And so it would be a lot easier to just be like, okay, this was a weird year moving on. Let's just let's go, go back, back to, to normal. We, yeah. But really I think, especially within the church, maybe not in general with people, I feel like that's been an emphasis of like, we don't want to go back to how things were because this has been such like a time of reflection for us to kind of look back on our lives and have time to make habits that we didn't have or stop habits that we did have, that we actually had time to slow down. And that was a really nice thing. Mm-hmm. And usually we don't get that. Yeah. So maybe that will be, and I, I like what you're saying, Britta, because we tend to, say, I I have so enjoyed this. This is going to be my new normal. But then we drift back to the ruts of the way we just go back to the things that we've known in the familiar. But maybe there was something that was touched in the the COVID lockdown of um, I've, I've got to engage in a different way. I've got to have face-to-face conversations as much as I can. That makes it even harder with COVID, but realizing I can't just simply uh, have this artificial environment. I've got to have something real. And I think that's a that's a unique challenge that you guys and your generation will, will actually probably have to come up with more significant answers for that. Uh, the more uh, that continues. Um, and, and I think that's probably some of the unique challenges. Let's talk a little bit about, um, from the very beginning, you guys said, we really don't like the, um, the stereotypes. <laughs> so what are the positives? Right. <laughs> okay. What are the positives though? What would you say if you were to just look at, and, and I know it's hard to talk about an entire generation because that's almost impossible. What does that mean? But at least your lived experience. What would you want to say when you hear that? You would want to say, okay, yes, maybe that fits the stereotype. But this is actually something really, really positive about our generation. I mean, we mentioned this a little bit beforehand, but on some level, and this goes hand in hand with some other things that we've said, but we have with with the mass amounts of media that we're 
exposed to and all this sort of thing. We, we have more knowledge and ability at our fingertips than anybody in a long time. So our ability to be creative, our ability to learn is at its highest. Now that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that we, you know, that doesn't mean we actually engage in those practices, but I mean, the knowledge that we have at our fingertips as Christians, you know, the resources that we have from, from other Christians and then the, um, the overall creativity, like the, the creative processes that we can go through with the technology that we have, the resources that we have is insane. Mm-hmm. And so on some of our, our generation has taken a step forward, I think, in generating new ideas and, and, and new thinking. I mean, it's like the enlightenment, but on steroids great point. To, on yeah. some level. And so, and that has such negative consequences it all does. Mm-hmm. But I think that is one thing that at least we can look around and see that I think the Lord is doing good work mm-hmm. in those in those practices and yeah. those processes. So. Yeah. Go ahead, Hannah. No, oh, going off of Woody, I think like our generation has the most opportunities. I mean, mm-hmm. we have social media. We can, we have so much at our fingertips. Like, like he was saying, we have more opportunities than maybe our parents did. Um, and I also think that does come with the instant gratification kind of thing um, that we we feel as though we want something, so we should have it immediately instead of like um, necessarily working for it or the the stereotype that we were just talking about. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think we do have more opportunities than any other yeah. generation. It's a huge positive. We don't have to go anywhere necessarily to reach people. Right. Like we can reach people right. sitting on our couch at home. Yes, absolutely. And, then, and, there's, yeah. and there is danger in, in all these things, but... I don't know. It's it's kind of what fire do you want to kindle, right? And, you know, do you want to kindle the fire of having to work harder for relationships and their risk being less, or do you want to kindle more relationships but they're shallower? And so we're just fighting between those two tensions. It feels like our, our age in particular, because I mean, one of the one of the drawbacks, one of the stereotypes is that we we choose the easy path instead of the hard path, and I think that's very true. But also, on some level, um, things have been made incredibly easy for our generation, like technologically and um, um, just from a social standpoint, I mean, everything's so fast and quick that we don't even realize how rather impressive our social interactions are Mm -hmm. and how often they occur, I guess. Yeah. Which is the double-edged sword that there is an advancement. There are ideas. Um, Woody, I love what you're saying that we have an ability to generate ideas and content and um, new expressions um, like never before. And that's a huge advantage to be creative, to think through, you know, how do we, um, how do we take the gospel message? How do we, um, take spiritual truths, for instance, and use, uh, the tools at our disposal to advance those sorts of things. That's a major, major positive. Uh, but also the double-edged sword is the, the instant part that, uh, you know, Amazon one click and it's there in two days. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that, that idea of, I, I want it now. It, It needs to be instant, um, you know, those are things that I think all of us have to battle. Um, so I like that. I love that idea of saying, um, you know, let's, yes, there's probably some of the stereotypes, but that's not fully true. There's real advantages to uh, what we have available to us. Is it, am I am I misinterpreting the, the idea? Because I have an idea that your generation really is cause-centered, 
you know that so so when you think about where you are right now uh in your college experience um Yes, there's still people that are saying, I want to get out of college and I want a career that's going to make as much money as I can to where I can amass as much as I can. That still exists. But it seems to me that um, a real positive of your generation is I want my life to make a difference. Is that true? I would say I think so. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think each of us could... Um, probably explain like why we picked our majors, and I, uh-huh. I guarantee none of our majors we've picked. Yes, or the most <laughs> education. <high laughs> the seven that I've gone through, we've you know. all picked. <laughs> That's a great majors point. that we yes. feel though, as if we're called to them in some way or another. Yeah, so. yeah. it's a great point because you all have picked majors that you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to make a living, but you're. It's not like you're saying, right. let me go get this major that's going to leverage me uh, to where I can. Uh, you know, get out and make 200000 a year and uh, live in this neighborhood and do these sorts of things. Sure, that still exists. I'm sure it exists at Union Campus with right. some of your peers. But my, my sense is that's probably an old, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, that's, that's an old narrative. Yeah. That's not something that people are really uh, living. That's not the script that your generation is being handed yeah, and I think like something that I talk about in my classes all the time is like motivation. Like how do we motivate students to do things? How do we how do we get them on board with learning? And obviously that's in like an instructional setting of like how do we get them to care about what they need to learn? But it's the same for us. Like if we don't have the purpose, like if we don't have a reason to do it, if no one's telling us like this is the difference it's going to make or this is why you're doing this, like we're not going to have motivation to do it. If Hannah's like, hey, go run down to the end of the parking lot and run back. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I have no purpose. But if she's like, hey, there's someone down there that needs help or hey, I'll, you know, I'll give you this or I'll do something for you. Mm -hmm. Like if there's a purpose to it, then we're more likely to be motivated motivated to do it. Yeah, that's yeah, we're, we're naturally, I think you make a good point because we're naturally, I, I think at least our generation in particular is a, the most, one of the most desirable peoples in a long time. And I, and obviously desires have to be structured in a way that we desire God. And so our desires flow out of that as, as believers, but having strong desires and passions in the first place. And I think that that comes out of us being able to see everything that's happening around us and, and witness it and whether it's true or not, or whether it's political or not. We're still getting to mm-hmm. witness all of these things. So right. we're constantly asking ourselves what we're motivated by and what our desires are and what our passions are. I mean, everyone's biggest question at school is, what do you want to do with your life? What are you passionate about? And regardless of how mm-hmm. oversaturated or overdone that is, it's still extremely helpful, I think, spiritually for, for us as we walk through, you know, what does it mean to desire to be motivated to to walk forward, mm-hmm. but then do that obviously in a godly way. But the fact that we're actually asking that question, maybe more than in times past, I think is huge. Exactly. And I think that is a absolute, that's what I would want uh, the millennial generation or the Gen Z uh, to not just simply put this caricature of, you know, you all are the selfie, um, me centered, uh, you know, expect to always be catered to. I look good. And, what do you, I don't know what you, well, want yeah, want. you do, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the, but, but the idea of, um, I do believe that, uh, you guys are saying, I want my life to count for something. And I, I believe that's a huge marker of, uh, the millennial generation is there's this sense of, um, I mean, you think about businesses now, I mean, every business has some sort of cause. 
Um, I mean, that's just almost what you do now in business. And, and that can become predictable and that can become trite. Uh, but I do think that underneath that is a real desire to, we want to make the world a better place and uh, we want to make a difference and we want to leverage our lives. And I think that's a significant thing for the, the millennial generation. So, so in the next couple of minutes here, uh, we could talk a long time about this, but what else, what else would you want to see as like, you know, I these are these are the good things. Yeah, I was I've been thinking like I know we've talked about our generation is we have the reputation of being very self-centered <laughs> and as unfortunate as that is, I think like having those characteristics can form good habits because because of the self-centeredness, we've learned how to care about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so even if that's caring about our image, which mm-hmm. is probably too much in a lot of what we care about, like if we can transfer yeah. those from right. like caring about how we look to actually caring about real things, right. I think that those are skills that will help us. So even though it's coming from a place of maybe negativity or uh-huh. self-centeredness, like we're able to take these things, like we've become perfectionists about what we put out there on Instagram right. or Facebook or whatever we're, right. whatever platform we're using. Like we're perfectionists about what we post, about how we look, about our caption, about every single detail of what we post. But if we're able to take that and put it towards something that actually matters, then that can be a good thing. That's a great point. We we really care about getting things done. Yeah, if we can in the harness right way. that energy positively. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Going back to like what Brenda was saying, I really liked her point about motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely found myself being overly critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something our generation is sometimes like even to ourselves, we are critical mm-hmm. um to others, ourselves or whoever. Um but I feel like middle schoolers, I'm sure high schoolers and college students are the same, um, really struggle with having someone to encourage them yeah. instead of being critical of their actions. And like we're talking about all these negative things, I feel like sometimes parents who do place these stereotypes on their kids can make it seem so negative. And um, I think that really is damaging. I do too. And I think like for my middle school girls, there's so many times where they don't feel like there's an open communication to their parents and it might not even be something that is too bad for their parents to know. Um, But it is often just, they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be fussed at for feeling this way or or asking this question. Um, So I would like to see better communication. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great point. Yeah. And, and uh, actually instead of, saying we're going to put you in a box and this is who you are and you can't get out of that box. You're self-centered. You're uh, the selfie generation. Um, You know, you're always worried about your image, putting that out of the box and saying, no, there's actually, maybe there's been beaten down by that whole reality. And that you're more than what the stereotype says and you're not lazy and you are doing your best. And I think it is like really important to like encourage the younger students because that is when they are figuring out who they are and who Mm -hmm. they want to be. Especially in the middle school, high school time. Mm -hmm. That's the most important. Yeah, exactly. Because I think all of that has also created like, probably the most insecure generation of anyone. And like, I mean, I can even like speak, I'm only going to speak for myself, but I'm sure that we all experienced that of like 
because it's that constant comparison and like because we don't feel like there's open communication and we do feel like everyone's kind of like constantly picking at us mm-hmm. that we've become so insecure and I think no insecurity is going to help you like feel better. <laughs> like when you're right. insecure, you're not thinking about like, okay, well how can I change that? Like you might be, but really you're just thinking about like, I'm being so beaten down right now yeah. that like, this is all I am. And right. that's, I think that's kind of what you're talking right. about. Like you get stuck in this box that you feel like everyone just thinks that you're this and you're like, but I'm not like, I want to be different and right. I want to, you know, I don't want to have that reputation, but we're so insecure but I think that that can also be a good thing because especially in the church, like as Christians, mm-hmm. obviously like we're called to love people. Mm-hmm. And I think because we've seen that insecurity, like we are more willing to like reach out to people and to love on them and to encourage them mm-hmm. than maybe other generations. Like they might've just kind of been like, Oh, you're fine. Like you'll get yeah. over it. Right. But now like we see the negative effects that all of this like has on us and like we experience the insecurity. So if I see someone picking on Hannah or even if I just see something like I see that she's having a bad day, like I'm not just going to be like, okay, someone else will handle that. Like I know what that insecurity can do to me. So I'm going to go and try to help that for someone else. Yes. That's a great point. Because of the, your lived experience and the reality of all the things that we've talked about of uh, that has brought that heavy weight uh that there is a more of a sensitivity to um we we want to include others we want to encourage we want to be sensitive to this person who is dealing with this insecurity uh and i do i do think that's a real positive that there's more of a sensitive sensitivity to that i mean my generation uh which would be more the gen x generation i mean the whole idea of bullying that didn't exist and I mean, we, I mean, you yeah. know, we 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 bullied, and I was the giver, and I was the receiver. When I was, you know, uh, my formative years growing up, there was no concept of, well, maybe this does damage. Yeah. You know, maybe this actually uh, harms someone. And so I do think that the benefit now we could characterize and go, oh, these millennials, they have to have their their. Uh, their little safe zone, you know, they can't handle it. They can't handle hard things. Well, let's just go, no, let's throw that out. The reality is the actual positive there is there may actually be people more of an awareness of people being known and people being seen and not doing the damage through those kinds of actions. I do think that's a real positive. Yeah, and I think the opportunity is large right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the you have a very moldable generation of students and young people like us here who are on some level willing to listen in, in a lot of areas. And we may not do that well. And that brings about the, the issue of immense false teaching that's mm-hmm. rampant. And mm-hmm. th- But this is a great time for the church to step in, um, for pastors and faithful members of the body to plug people into the Word of God and to, and t- uh, to walk with people in discipleship. Mm-hmm. Because we're, I mean, there's a generation that's willing to try things. Yep. That's willing to step in and ask critical questions. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen this. We, we've talked about this at other times of how the world does this so incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And you have tons of people walking down these wrong paths. But if the church somehow could step into the gap more faithfully and mm-hmm. hold that rope as people our age try to answer those questions of who are we, what do we want to do, and and what are we becoming, mm-hmm. um, and, and bring those in light of who God is. I, I mean, 
I seriously think the opportunity is so large yeah. for our generation to be molded by the church. That's and, right. Because you're Christ. asking those questions. Yeah. yeah. We're, you're, we're, you're, you're asking those. And kind of yeah. like what, what he's saying, I think our generation is so desperate to fit in and to mm-hmm. find a place where they just feel like they belong or right. someone cares about them. Right. Um, and I think, like he was saying, there is such an opportunity to minister to people. Yeah. And especially like the generation who doesn't know what love is. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't know the concept of a, a true kind of love mm-hmm. because... I mean, our parents can love us as much as possible, but it's still no comparison. That's right. Yeah, it's, so. it's crazy how we have this weak view of sin, but also this weak view of love at the same time. And the two go hand in hand, and, and we and we fill it with vanity and, and self-image obsession. And I would love to see people our age walk into a church and lead it in holiness mm-hmm. and, and be an example to... Because I think that, that your generation, that, that's the hard part, is there's this huge gap. I think the gap mm-hmm. between your generation, Will, and, and ours is probably the biggest ever and probably right. ever will be. Right. And so we want to be able, you want, we want to look to you guys saying, we want your wisdom, but we want to be wise in return and edify each other in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think the church is going to be in, like, immensely healthier if we would mm-hmm. take the questions we're asking now and apply them to our spiritual lives as well. That's great. And I think my generation is actually, thus the reason for this podcast is to, to really begin to, to listen and to say, how do we learn and how do we grow and how do we dialogue and, and what are the things that, uh, how does your generation have a voice within the church and, uh, and, and how do we actually consider the next generation, because that is going to be the next generation that will be coming up through that. It, it, it is, it's right now, you know, and so that, that you guys are leaders right now. Uh, and, and so I think that's a healthy reality of, all right, what can we learn? How can we grow? How can we adjust? How can we be open to uh, some of the uniquenesses, not seeing those as detriments, but actually looking at the positives and, uh, and the work for my generation is to say, um, you know, how do we change and how do we adjust and how do we not simply, it's, it's the, the task of every generation to not simply say our way is the right way. Cause I think that's the sin of every generation. Well, if you if it's not this way, then it's wrong. And so I do believe that you guys, um, model that. And I believe that I, I love seeing you uh, plug in. That's the thing that, that I love with all of our interns is that you guys come and say, we want to serve. There's so many things that you could give your time uh, and your energy to, but we have a group of, of every year, a group of interns that say, uh, we want to give our lives away. And so the cool thing is we're, actually giving away ministry to you guys. I mean, you're not just cleaning toilets, you know? I don't think you've cleaned toilets once. A couple uh, times. Have you? I actually, I actually do. I'm kind of the mom of my apartment, believe it or not. <laughs> I might be the one-in-a-generation guy who does that. But <laughs> but, but we're giving you um, we're giving you leadership. And, uh, you know, Woody uh, teaches uh, in our college ministry at times, and he leads, and he's a part of... Uh, you know, interacting of, okay, how do we become more effective at reaching college students? And Hannah is uh, ministering to uh, our middle school uh, students, and she's invested in the lives primarily of middle school girls. 
And, uh, you know, she's journeying with them. She's getting to know their stories. She's knowing all the, they're coming to you with, uh, you know, all the boyfriend drama and all the difficulties and all the pain and all the hurt. And you're walking, you're, you're playing a significant role in their life. And they're looking to you as, uh, someone that they want to grow up and become like. Uh, you know, Britta, you're, you're leading worship. You're using your incredible gifts, your incredible voice. Uh, you're, you're doing that in, in high school, uh, in middle school when they're gathering together, but you're also doing that on Sunday mornings. You know, you're utilizing your gifts in that way and you're helping to create, uh, incredible environments, worshipful environments for students by using your gifts. And, and so that's the model, uh, that I want to celebrate that you guys, uh, are not fitting that stereotype. Uh, there's so many positives that are there. So we could talk uh, all day and we could continue to talk more and more about this. But hey, guys, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think this uh, conversation is uh, going to be really helpful. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on the StoryForm podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.